Good evening and a very warm welcome to Romford Baptist Church, our evening service for Valentine's Day. It's good to see you. My name is Ian. I'm one of the ministers here and uh, we are continuing with our Bible series tonight, thinking about spirit and community. Valentine's Day is a day of so many emotions, but all around this word love. And I thought it was appropriate to begin our service tonight with maybe one of the greatest passages about love that is recited in so many places. And it's from the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and it says this, Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonour others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. May you tonight, as we go through this time of worship, know the love of God surrounding you. And we begin by singing that hymn that's timeless through the ages. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise. Let us come to God in prayer. Let us pray together. Our sovereign, our mighty, our majestic God, we come to you, the creator of all things and the perfect example of love. We come, Lord, to you in adoration and praise, in worship, to say that we want to bow our needs before you, to tell you we love you. Lord, on this day, as we come to worship again together, to hear of your word, we thank you that we have the ability to engage with you, to talk to you, to spend time with you. Lord, we confess at times we have got things wrong and that we have hurt you, we have offended you. And for this, Lord, we are sorry. Come, Lord, by your Holy Spirit. And help us to be forgiven and to forgive ourselves and to know that by you we have been forgiven and we have been made new. Lord, in our worship we want to give you praise and adoration. We want to know of your plan for our lives. And so, Lord, Sovereign Lord, come and take your place in our homes, in wherever we are watching this service. Come and take your place, we pray in the name of Jesus, our Lord and our Saviour. Amen. We hear a story now by video, followed by that great song that reminds us there's nothing worth more, Holy Spirit. We welcome you. This is the six beat, six piece scripture story. This is the overarching rescue plan story. This is part five of the better story. The 
love. Love resurrected on Sunday, but what about Monday? For 40 days, Jesus showed up in so many ways, unpacked the scriptures with believers on the road to Emmaus. Their hearts burned with passion. Risen Jesus amazed us, made Thomas believe with nail marks in his side. The barbecued fish must have tasted sublime, said, wait for the spirit, then ascended on high. So they waited. On lockdown, they prayed and anticipated the arrival of the promised Holy Spirit in the room they waited. And guess what? The Spirit filled it. A rushing wind, tongues of fire, a community consumed with the burning desire to lift God higher in dialects that hadn't heard of just five minutes prior. And Jews get confused, but they're not in the know. They just thought the team knocked back too much of that Merlot. But Pete puts them straight. We're not drunk, mate. Believe us, it's the spirit of Jesus that's living within us. Joel said, oh, we'll dream dreams and the young men will have visions. And the church goes on mission, but they were persecuted. Just take the stoning of Stephen, where their number one target saw looks on with approval and hells the stone throwers jackets and the church just scatters. Missionary becomes martyrs. But then a game-changing moment on the road to Damascus, Saul swaps sides and it's cause he's met Jesus. From persecutor to proclaimer, the gospel for the Jews and Gentiles is Paul's disclaimer. Good news spreads from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, Middle East for Europe, bustling town areas. Paul pens the gospel in a series of spirit-filled letters. On his journey, Paul plants churches but the spirit grows communities. But it's not down to this rabbi tent maker, it's the Holy Spirit. He's the enabler, he's the faith filler, he's the courage giver. Just look at Peter, how do you think he changed from chief denier to leader? And the good news has kept on spreading 2,000 years later. We're sealed with the same spirit that raised up our saviour. Connected and eclectic, it's radical diversity for all ages and accents and every ethnicity. There's unity in the spirit, he's bringing back community. Church, this is our community, adopted into his family with a reach that's global but still connected locally. This is our part in God's unfolding story, to be missionaries on a movement that tells of his glory. Hopefully you have received your notice sheet and you'll see the many things going on there. Prayer meeting Tuesday and an opportunity to join in small groups on Wednesday to continue to talk about the theme of this evening's service. If you haven't got a notice sheet, do contact the church office by phone or by using the contact on this website or by emailing office at romfordbaptist.org.uk and somebody will get you a copy of the notice sheet sent to you. We thank you for all who have been faithful in giving offerings to the work of the church here and enabling us to do our ministries such as the food bank and the setting up of our Community Money Action Centre. And now we come to God in prayer and thank him for our gifts and continue on with our prayers of intercession. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for the many gifts that you have given to us and the resources that you have entrusted us with. And Lord, we pray now you will take our gifts and you will use them 
and you will bless them that others will know of your love and blessing. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And as we continue in the prayers of intercession, every so often in this prayer, I will say, Lord, in your mercy, you feel free to reply where you are. Hear our prayer. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, on this Valentine's Day, we come before you with our prayers and rejoice in the wonder and power of your never-ending love for us. And our love for you. And now we read from Paul's letter to the Corinthians, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth, always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always preserves. Lord, because love is patience. Help us to be slow to judge the other, but always quick to listen. Make us hesitant to criticise, but always eager to encourage. Remembering your endless patience with us. Lord, because love is kind, help us to our, in our words to be gentle to those we meet and our actions to be thoughtful. Remind us to smile and to show courtesy to friends, to strangers to say please and thank you because those little things often mean so much. Lord, in your mercy... Hear our prayer. Because love does not envy or boast and it is not proud, help us to have hearts which are humble and which always look for the good in others. May we celebrate and appreciate all that we have and all that we are and be ready to share what we have with those around us. Because love is not rude or self-seeking, help us to speak words that are easy on the ear and on the heart. When we are tempted to get wrapped up in our own little world, help us to remember the vastness of the world around us, with still so many needs, hurts and conflict. Lord, in your mercy... Hear our prayer. Because love is not easily angered and keeps no record of wrongs, help us to forgive others as you forgive us. When we hold on to a grudge, help us to, gently help us to release it so that we can reach out instead with a hand of love and friendship. Because love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth, help us to stand up for what is right and good. 
May we defend the defenceless and help the helpless. Show us how we can make a real difference to the life of others, however small or insignificant this may sometimes seem. Because love always protects and always trusts, help us to be strong and a refuge for those around us. When the world outside is harsh and cold, may our hearts always be open, a place of acceptance and warmth. May we always strive to help those who are sick, lost, lonely or in despair. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And Lord, because love always hopes and always perseveres, help us to see each new day as an opportunity to give ourselves into your service. Help us always to beat with the love for you and for others. And we think especially of those we love but no longer, see no longer. And we remember that Jesus Christ is the light of the world, a light which no darkness can crunch. We remember those before God who we love and have to die, died. Lord, in this moment of quiet, we remember those who we know who have passed away recently. You turn our darkness into light. In your light we shall see light. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, we thank you for this day when we celebrate love in all its glory and for showing us the true meaning of the word which is your will for us. And now we say together, Lord, the prayer that you taught your disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory for ever and ever. Amen. Before we hear God's word read and then the message preached, we have that song, Our God Reigns, in the name of the Father. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them.
When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. authorities commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to God? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Saul neared Damascus on his journey. Suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? took the disciples and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years, so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. Well, hi there. I hope that you've been finding this series on the Bible really, really helpful. We've been looking at how through the Bible we can experience a better story. We started with a helicopter view of the Old Testament. We went back to looked at the whole theme of origins and meaning, exodus and freedom, and then exile and peace. And today we want to continue the story by looking at the coming of the Spirit and how through the Spirit, God comes to satisfy our human thirst for community. It's an exciting part of the story because it's where you and I enter in, as it were. Talking of a human thirst, 
One of the first things that you and I did when we entered this world was almost undoubtedly go, Wah! not just once, but many times. It was not just a cry of physical thirst, to have a physical need satisfied, but psychologists tell us that, you know, right from the moment we're born, we're searching for a relational connection with others. In other words, that cry is not just for feeding physically, but it's for love, comfort and connection. And that desire, that thirst for relationship doesn't just cease when uh, you know, we start growing up. It's something that you and I still have integral to the very fact of us being human beings. And so today I want to look at how through the coming of the Holy Spirit in what we know as Acts of the Apostles, chapter two, on the day of Pentecost, um, that connection with God, that thirst for relationship with God is satisfied in a new way and also at the same point, how through the coming of the Holy Spirit, you and I can experience a new community or friendship or relationship with others. So we're going to look at friendship with God vertically, friendship and relationship with others horizontally, and how through that, as it were, that dual connection, yours and my thirst for community can be satisfied. So let's look first at the whole theme of friendship with God. Now, if you look back at the Old Testament, we will see that, you know, people did encounter the presence of God right back to the garden. We see God meeting with the first human beings. Uh, we see how in the Exodus, God appeared to his people uh, with the pillar of uh, fire and with the cloud. We also see how they were instructed to build a tabernacle or a tent and later on a temple and God promised that he would come and dwell with his people. But I generalizing, I would say that this whole Old Testament picture has the sense of distance between an awesome and a holy God and between sinful human beings. In other words, although God was present, there was a sense of a gap. And that's where the coming of Jesus is so wonderful. You see, when Jesus was born, as we saw last week, one of the names that he would be called was Emmanuel, God with us. You see, Jesus wasn't just a human Messiah anointed by the Holy Spirit. He was also the Son of God. If you like, God was present in human form. So when Jesus goes out in his ministry and he calls his disciples and he heals the sick and he raises the, the dead, he changes people's lives. It's like the very presence of God, the very um, temple of God is there in human form. It was a, a God that you could know and see and con converse with. And it literally changed the lives of uh, multitudes of people, including his closest disciples. So imagine the shock and horror when Jesus announces to his disciples, says, guys, <clears throat> basically, I've got to go. He was planning to go to the cross and then eventually to heaven. And he actually then goes on to say in John chapter 16, it's better for you that I go away. And he starts talking about how in his place, as it were, he is going to send the Holy Spirit. And we see how this promise of the coming of the Holy Spirit is fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counsellor, strengthener, standby to be with you 
forever the spirit of truth. You know him because he, the Holy Spirit, remains with, with you continually and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, comfortless, bereaved and helpless. I will come back to you. Wow, what a promise. And that was a promise for the disciples then. And it's a promise for us today. You see, as Jesus um, goes to the cross, he rises from the dead. He appears to his disciples for 40 days, but then he ascends to heaven. It's this idea that Jesus physically now is no longer present on the earth. He's at the right hand of the Father. He is ruling and reigning and he is going to come back physically one day. But in the meantime, Jesus is saying, is you're not going to be alone. I'm going to send someone like me, someone who, as it were, is united to, to, with me. And when he comes, he's not just going to be with you, he's actually going to be in you. And that is a stunning, stunning promise. You see, as amazing as it would have been to have met Jesus in person on the earth, Jesus at the time was limited to his physical uh, body. And so that meant that while he was in Jerusalem, he couldn't be in Peterborough or London <clears throat> or Lagos or New York or Edinburgh. But now through the Holy Spirit coming, Jesus is present with us and actually comes to live in us by the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And we see this promise of the coming of the Spirit fulfilled on what we know as the day of Pentecost. Let me read to you from Acts chapter 2. This is the birthday of the church. This is one of the defining moments in biblical and world history. The disciples are waiting, they're praying, and we read how suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And those symbols there of a rushing wind and tongues of fire, they're, they're symbols and pictures, if you like, for us, that God is coming in a powerful way. And the great news is that God has been present on the earth by his Spirit um, ever since the day of Pentecost. And as a result, these disciples were changed. They became bold where they were fearful and they went out empowered by the Holy Spirit spreading the good news of Jesus and changing the world and the lives of multitudes of people. Now if we look back at the whole of the New Testament and we read some of the letters um, for example of the Apostle Paul we'll see that the person of the Holy Spirit is actually central to the whole revelation and to what it means to be a Christian. Uh, in one particular letter, writing to a church in Corinth, Paul talks about how they may know <clears throat> the fellowship of the Spirit, or as one translation puts it, the intimate friendship of the Spirit. In other words, the Spirit is actually a person. He is powerful, but he's not a force like in Star Wars. He's not impersonal. He's somebody who wants to come to live on the inside of us and to be with us, representing Jesus and the Father to us. I think that's absolutely wonderful. You know, as I look back at my life, I had a thirst for God as I was growing up. I didn't really know that's what I was looking for. I tried to fill, if you like, the vacuum, the hole in my life with all kinds of other stuff. But when I invited Jesus Christ to come in at the age of 19, <clears throat> 
I experienced the Holy Spirit flooding my life with his love, with his joy and with his peace. Totally changed my life. About 18 months later, I started reading things like the book of Acts and I realised there was like another dimension of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit who was in me wanted to fill me with his power and somebody prayed for me, laid their hands on me and I was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to exercise spiritual gifts. But that was just the beginning. For the last 35 years or so, I've experienced this intimate friendship with the Spirit. It means that right from the moment I wake up in the morning, maybe I'm, I wake up and I feel anxious, but I'm conscious that the, the helper, the comforter, the spirit is right there with me. Maybe I'm sensing challenge in a particular area. I sensed him guiding me and giving me strength. I may come to you know, read the Bible and open the Bible and I sense him helping me understand the Bible. He helps me pray. He gives me a new sense of purpose and a new sense of peace. One of the um, exhortations that the Apostle gives to the early Christians is that we are to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. I like to walk a lot and very often maybe on our <clears throat> Sabbath, on our day off, I'll go out with Karen and we'll walk together. But if we're walking along and I'm walking too fast or too slow, we're not going to have real conversation and relationship because we are not in step together. And I believe one of the great um, exhortations for you and me is that when we come to Christ and we have the Holy Spirit, it's so important that we, as it were, get our step in step with his step, our pace in, in, in line with his. You see, sometimes I've found over the years, I've tried to run ahead of the Holy Spirit or sometimes I lag behind the Holy Spirit. One of the things I love to do is I like to sensitize myself to his leading and to his guide, to find out what he likes. I found out the certain things he likes. He likes it when I love people and forgive people. He doesn't like it if there's gossip or there's slander or there's impurity. And I want to please the Holy Spirit. And I find that the closer I get to the Holy Spirit, the more this deep thirst, as it were, this longing for meaning and relationship with God is satisfied. You and I can have a greater and deeper relationship with God through the Holy Spirit. That's the first thing, <clears throat> relationship or fellowship with the Spirit. But actually, if we look at the Bible as a whole, we realise that not only do we have a horizontal need for communion or friendship with God, but we also have a relational need for community with others. And I just want to play you a, a short story, somebody called Raj, and just look at how she experienced a life-changing encounter with God through Jesus by the Spirit, but also began to experience the transformational um, impact of being in Christian community. So please watch this. I was born, I was one of seven children, and as I was growing up, I could feel my parents would treat me differently. Um, for example, my dad would be playing with my brothers, hugging them, and I'd go in for a hug, and he'd just push me aside. My brothers and sisters could see how dad was different towards me, and they also would call me names and hit me and mock me. So I had this sense always as a kid that there was something wrong with me and um, I wasn't wanted um, and also never felt loved by them. I tried to do what I could to be good enough for them, but nothing I seemed to do was good enough. When I used to come home from school, I was forced to do all the housework and I remember one evening while I was cleaning and everyone was asleep, my mum's my tablets were there and I started to take all these tablets wishing I was dead. 
and the next morning my dad turned around and said to me, shame it didn't work. And I think the reality hit me that there's nothing, nothing I can do to make this man love me. So when I was 18, I finally ran away from home and I just rebelled against the culture I was brought up. I started drinking, smoking, partying, and I also um, rejected God, I actually blamed God. But fundamentally, the thing I wanted more than anything was to be loved and find love. I moved to London with a boyfriend and I found myself getting involved in some really dodgy stuff. But also at this time was a time when I met my first ever Christian and this lady just showed me unconditional love. She um, was kind, she listened to me and made me feel of worth. One evening, I found myself crying. I found all the stuff that I had pushed down through my whole life, all the pain just coming up to the surface. And I heard a voice say, Raj, stop crying. And I knew it was Jesus. I don't know how, but I knew it was Jesus. And I found myself talking to Jesus for the very first time, asking him why, why was my life so hard? And I just said to him, I just don't want to do it anymore. Would you just take my life? I just want to be dead. And what I felt was, um, rather than me being beamed up to heaven, I felt just love being poured into me. And I felt the Holy Spirit come and fill all that got emptied out, just fill me up. And I felt this peace and joy and just happiness for the first time. So I started to go to church and I was surrounded by a community of people that loved me, accepted me, and I, for the, for the very first time, I felt like I belonged to a family. And in the process of my time there, I, they prayed for me, they, I dealt with a lot of the pain and the rejection. I found my voice and my purpose in life. And my life is completely transformed by Jesus. And I'm just so thankful to God for all that he's done for me. So a great story of somebody who experienced that double transformation, if you like. Vertical connection, friendship with God through Jesus by the Holy Spirit. And then the combination of that and then experiencing community horizontally with others. And that takes me to my second point, the importance of us experiencing friendship with God, but then secondly, friendship with others. You know, if we go back to the Bible, the Bible makes clear right back in Genesis 2 verse 18, it's not good for man to be alone. And if that was true then, it's so true today. You know, even prior to COVID-19, studies were um, indicating that as a society, we were getting more lonely and more isolated than ever. And then things like social distancing and lockdown has put huge pressure uh, on all of us. And if we have this human thirst for community, the question is, how can we connect with others in the midst of such a tough time? Well, I believe uh, we need to be creative and proactive, not think about what we can't do, but as much as possible, think about what we can do. And also, as we uh, look at community and relationship with others and the importance of that, we need to realise it has hugely important benefits for us. You know, when we're in healthy relational connections with others, you know, it can affect our stress. Our stress levels will go down. Our immune system uh, gets stronger. Our sleep can get better. It has many, many amazing benefits. And so let's just go back to the book of Acts 
let's pull the curtain back. Let's look again at this beautiful picture of healthy Christian community that we see in the book of Acts. The Spirit comes down, fills the followers of Jesus. Peter gets up, preaches about Jesus Christ. 3,000 people become Christians. They get baptized as an expression of their connection to Jesus, but also their initiation into the new community. And then this is the response of these new followers of Jesus. And before I look at what they did, I just want us to step back and just pause for a moment and just think how beautifully countercultural what we're about to see was. You see, in a time that we're living in, where it feels like slander and gossip and cutting people off and anger and aggression seems to be almost like going viral. Let's take a time to look back at the mirror of God's word to the early church, not a perfect church, but a beautiful picture of how church should be. Church that wasn't an institution, but was a community and was a family of God's people. Let, let me read from Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, that's the key word for our purposes, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Notwithstanding some of the restrictions that we may be facing right now, let's just be inspired again by the example of these early Christians. First thing I notice is that they were devoted to one another. They were devoted to the community or the fellowship. And I believe it's a beautiful picture of how we need to be as God's people. You see, when we know God's loving loyalty to us, we can live out a loving loyalty to others. You know, not to disconnect, but to stay connected and united. So if we see a loving loyalty. We say a sense, see a sense of generosity. They met one another's needs. We sense, see a sense of joy. There was no sense of drudgery about them connecting together. They love one another. And then we see a beautiful picture of how they, they were together in sincerity, with glad and sincere hearts. Now that word sincerity is the opposite of hypocrisy. Um, Hippocrates was a Greek word used by an actor uh, who would put on a show by hiding behind a mask. In other words, as this actor was performing, um, they were um, hiding in such a way that you never saw the real purpose, the real person. You see, much human socialising can be us wearing masks. But when we experience the Holy Spirit and we experience a new intimacy with God and we know that we are loved and accepted just as we are, it means that we don't have to perform for God and we don't have to perform before one another. It means that we can take off the masks and experience true vulnerability, which I believe is an essential ingredient for real community. So there's this sense of transparency, community. So it's one thing to be connected to other people but it's another to be truly authentic and vulnerable in all our relationships. And I believe this works two ways. You see, in a time that we're living in right now, first and foremost, I believe you and I need to realise that our human thirst for relationships 
and to be creative and proactive in reaching out to others. You see, just like uh, newborns or toddlers or young children will take the initiative in expressing their need. Ah, they're crying out for help. I believe for you and I to cry out for help or to ask others to input into our lives is not a sign of weakness, it's a sign of wisdom. You know, over the years, I've become increasingly aware of my need of others. You know, whether it be my wife or my family or the team I work with or my small group or people I've got praying for me. I will regularly reach out to people and say, um, I'm struggling here, can you help? Will you pray for me? I've got other people in my life who are uh, beyond the, uh, my local um, setting, um, people who I've established an online connection with for many years, people who help me in my spiritual journey or in my emotional health, and I connect with them regularly. There's something very powerful, and, and there's something about me opening up, and sometimes just sharing where I'm at, just the very fact of saying where I'm really at and discussing it and having input can have an incredibly releasing effect. So that's on the one hand. Can I encourage you? Don't stay stuck where you are. Please don't stay isolated. Reach out for help. But on the other hand, as well as us, as it were, crying out to others, can those of us who are maybe doing well and have got connections, let's be prayerful and sensitive to those who may need our help. So why not, as one of the actions from this message, you know, think about maybe three to five people who either you know or you don't know very well, and the Holy Spirit will put them on your heart, and he may say, I want you to pick up the phone to so-and-so. I want you to text so-and-so. I want you to arrange a Zoom call with, 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 with this particular person. And then you say, well, what do we talk about? Why not just say, you know, you've been in my heart. How are you doing? Anything I can pray for. And see what God does. Let's be proactive in, in asking for help and in offering help, particularly in these challenging times. And you see, when we're like this, and when we choose to, as it were, go countercultural and stay connected and be creative, it means that we can flourish even in tough times. You see, that's what the early church did. They faced massive challenges, in many ways bigger than ours. Their challenge was persecution. They grow, they see miracles, but they're also persecuted by the Jewish and Roman authorities. On one occasion, it gets so intense by Acts chapter 8 that they get scattered. They can no longer gather and meet as they were. They get dispersed. And yet it looks like the more they're persecuted, the more they grow, the more they flourish. There's something about being closely connected that means it doesn't matter what the storms of life blow at us, we'll stay strong together. One of my favourite pictures of this is uh, the, the sequoia trees. You know, these are the largest and the oldest trees in the world. They can grow to 80 metres and they can survive for about 3,000 years. I don't know if you've ever studied them. But the amazing thing about these sequoia trees, these massive, uh, long-lasting trees, is actually their own individual roots are actually quite shallow in the soil. What they do is they interlock their roots together with loads of other trees. It's like they're more like a forest than individual trees. And so no matter how fierce the storm blows, they can stay strong together. And there's something about crisis that if we'll connect together, we can come out stronger. A bit like a band of brothers or a, a, a troop of soldiers out there. Something about the collective danger 
means that they, they, they bond together in a time of adversity. Let's, like the early Christians, not only love one another and stay connected, but let's be strong together, even in the time of trouble. And then finally, like the early church, we can learn that to be church is not a monocultural thing. It's not a cliquey thing. It's an inclusive, global, um, it's a multicultural church. You see, the early church started out as a small Jewish sect in one city in Jerusalem. But that was never Jesus' plan ultimately for them. He would said that you were to start in Jerusalem, but then go out to Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Or in another passage in Matthew 28, Jesus said, I want you to take the, the gospel and make disciples of all ethnos, all ethnic groups, all nations. And so by Acts chapter 8, as they start getting persecuted, the first thing that happens is that a Jewish believer called Philip goes and reaches a city in Samaria. The despised Samaritans start coming to Jesus Christ. The end of Acts chapter 8, we've got an Ethiopian eunuch, a high official, uh, that comes to Christ. Then by Acts chapter 10, we've got a Roman centurion, his whole household become Christians. Acts chapter 11, um, the, the, the gospel goes viral um, from Jews to non-Jews or Gentiles. And so within a few decades, we have a church that is made up of Jews and Samaritans. We've got Africans and Europeans all together as part of this wonderful family. And for those of you who know anything about church history, um, there came a point where for many centuries, Europe was the center of Christianity. But right now, the center's shifting again. For many decades, the, la the fastest growing, most vibrant church across the world is found in places like Sub-Saharan Africa, Latin America, and places like in China um, with the underground church. All that's to say the church is not the preserve of one people or one particular type. Church is for everyone. This Christian community is very small. It works on the micro level two or three people just coming together. And it's also on the macro level, a glorious global multicultural church, diverse and yet united by the spirit. And that means as Paul puts it in Galatians 3 verse 28, that we are to celebrate diversity and yet contend for our unity. Paul puts it this way, there is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, nor is the male and female, for you are all one in Christ. And wherever you're at, wherever you're from, you can belong to the family of God. So as we conclude, I want to remind us that you and I have a human thirst for community, but through the coming of the Holy Spirit, we can experience God's presence as it were vertically. The Spirit wants to come in us, live within us and dwell with us. And then secondly, the Spirit wants to come and strengthen this sense of community with others. So let me pray. And maybe you're here today watching and you don't really know God. You've never experienced God's presence. Or you are a Christian and it's like you feel like God's distant. Can I take? He's not departed. You've, you, you've probably withdrawn from him. But God wants to lovingly come to you. He wants to fill you afresh and he wants to satisfy again 
that deep human thirst that you have for him. And then for all of us, I want to pray for a strengthening of our relationships, especially in these challenging times. So let me pray. Father, I thank you right now that you sent us Jesus to manifest and make known your love and presence on the earth. And then you sent Jesus, your greatest gift to us. You, you sent the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, the Spirit is here from the Father that we might have our deep longing for you satisfied. I pray, Father, for anyone who doesn't yet know you. They might be able to open up their heart and you might fill them right now. For those of us who already know you, Holy Spirit, fill our hearts and our lives in a new way. May we know that with you we are never alone. You're always with us. You're for us. You're our helper 24-7. May you comfort and strengthen every single one of us. And then I pray, Lord, for all of us, even in the midst of these challenges, that we might be proactive and creative in giving and receiving help and hope and healing to one another. May your church be strengthened in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us pray. Loving God, we thank you for your Son and for sending your Spirit to transform us, to bring new life, new hope and new courage. And we thank you, Lord, that through your Spirit we are adopted into your family. We welcome you into our life and we pray that we may bear the fruits of your Spirit. May the people we meet see and experience those fruits of a new character, sharing love with the unloved, showing kindness to all we meet, bringing hope in a hopeless situation. Use us, Lord. Jesus, we thank you for the community of believers that you have placed us in. Help us to see the needs of others and to share the gifts you have given us with them. Help us to proclaim your good news in all situations. Empower us, Lord, with your Spirit. As we join the Messiah's community, empower us to participate fully in God's mission, in our community and around the world. In the name of Jesus Christ and in the power of the Spirit, we pray. Amen. We sing together. Come people of the risen King. Thank you for being with us at RBC tonight. It's been great to have you and may we pray that God will bless you. If you're new to RBC and it's the first time you've been on one of our services, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us through the website. After I've said the grace, there will just be a piece of music that you can use to just quieten yourself as you go back to whatever you're going to be doing for the rest of this evening. And so now may the blessing of God the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be with each one of us this day and forevermore. Amen. God bless you.